Welcome folks, this is season four of the Colour Tour podcast and I am so excited to be off of Zoom, so excited that I've travelled 12,000 miles, especially to meet the person I'm going to talk to today. Ready to have some fun? If you look inside it, you can see every possible colour. I'm in the east coast of the UK, which is about... 60, 70 miles out from the centre of London. So if you're looking at the clock, we're over on the right-hand side at about, you know, 3.30 on the clock out from London on the coast. And we are sitting in a fantastic uh, location right on the water. It's absolutely beautiful here. Hi, Rebecca. How are you? Hello. Yeah, good, thank you. Excellent, excellent. Now, tell me. Welcome to Leon Sea. Yes, tell me about Leon Sea. Let's start with that. Um, I don't know. What do you want to know? Seaside, beautiful sunshine. It, it is a it's a fantastic Pops. location. So, <laughs> is this is this where you grew up, or is this um, just where you? I grew up a town over. Yeah. Um, I've lived here for the last seven years. Um, so, yeah, I've sort of like known of it, obviously, my whole life. It's uh, the nearest beach to me. Fantastic. And it's not actually that far from where I grew up, on the edge of East London. So we used to come here uh, when I was a boy, sort of times when it used to take you about three days to get here because the cars were so old. And you used to have to stop about four times for cups of tea on the side of the road. So, colouring. What are you, uh, what you? What are you about colouring at the moment? Are you a, a short form person, long form movies, docos? What do you, what do you do? Or what do you like doing? Um, literally everything under the sun, and I, that's what I enjoy most about freelancing. Is that I'm not like I'm not a short form colourist, or I'm not a long form colourist, or like you know I'm not pigeonholed as such. So I'll go from like in two weeks' time, I'm booked to do. An Amazon Prime series, and but then tomorrow I'm doing a commercial. So and I, and I really love um, I love spicing things up because it keeps me more interested in my job, and also like the skill sets you need are different for every kind of job you take on. So yeah, it's sort of broadening. Know, everything you do. Yeah, I'm with, I'm with you. It keeps it more interesting. Yeah. And, and not, not many people are pigeonholed into one thing anymore, are they? No, I don't no, I don't think so. But um yeah. I love the opportunity just to to do anything. I think if I was doing feature films non stop I mean when I was like a dailies colourist for example and you're doing the same thing for like six months it can get a bit uh, repetitive. But yeah. um yeah, so it's nice to change things up and meet different people nearly every day and um, yeah have different projects and different challenges so let's uh, let's wind back that's about what you're doing now let's wind back how did you did you ever think you wanted to be a colorist when you were younger was it even a thing that you, oh God, you knew I off I didn't even know it existed no no um, uh, yeah I well I used to want to be um, an actor um, right up until the point where I was doing my A-levels <laughs> and so, to, so I did performance studies um, as an A-level and then alongside that I did like media studies and film studies and I also did art because I, I just I love art but um, I thought 
that the film and the media would go really well with the performance study side and I actually just fell in love with the behind the scenes and um, I tried working in production. Yeah. I did a day on set and that was a as a runner and that was enough for me. I was like, nope, not cut out for this. That was like a really long day and it was in the winter as well. And it was cold. It was like twelve hours all outside. And so I was like, right, cool, definitely post production. And um, I wasn't getting like any responses, like just emailing companies. So I printed off a load of CVs and went into London. I'd written down loads of like companies and walking around Soho, sort of like handing them out. And the last company I came across was The Look with Thomas. And uh, I literally like knocked on the door and he answered. He was like, my clients are just left. Why don't you come on in? I was like, Shh. I swear. <laughs> um, I, I at the point I didn't like I didn't know anything about this company because I'd just written names down. I didn't expect it to go any further than me, you know. Yeah. Hey, here's my CV. Yeah. If you need a runner, like. So I had like this interview on the spot, and he was like, "Do you know what we do?" I was like, mm. <laughs> "Honesty, honesty is a good policy." I was like, "Not really." I was like, "I, I assume you do visual effects, which they did at the time." I think they still do a little bit, um, but he was so he then introduced me to color grading and was like, "Oh, I'll show you my suite." And I literally stepped in, and it was like cinema, uh, big screen, the spaceship panel, and you know, like it was that instant thought where you're like, "I'm going to do this for the rest of my life." Like this is the coolest thing I've ever seen, and that was it. That that is amazing because I say, and it's it's a fair way to London from where we are, isn't it? You got to get on the train, you got to buy the ticket. From door to door, from like here into Stoho, it's about an hour and a half, hour and forty. Yeah, yeah. and we, we obviously when you don't have a job, you got to commit yourself. But I say this to a lot of people who are looking to get in the industry, go and knock on the doors. Because if you hadn't have done that, yeah, you like just got lucky when he was in between a session. Yeah. And if you hadn't have done that, chances are your email or your letter or CV would just end up in a big pile. Yeah. I have this mentality of liking to prove people wrong. So like my people um, at college at the time were like, oh, you, would, you have no chance of getting into the film industry because you don't know anyone. And it's all about who you know. And I'm like, yeah, of course, like everything is all about who you know regardless of your, you know, regardless of what career you're in. But obviously, especially in this kind of industry, but, and I didn't know anyone, but, it, you know, you have to go out, out of your way to make those connections and network and... Of course you do. So, yeah, I, did, I mean, right time, right place, just got lucky, and yeah, Tom showed me all about what a colorist is, what he can do. He had this beautiful footage at the time and he changed the genre, the era, the time of day. And I was just like, oh my, this is mind blowing. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, so from someone like, you know, I didn't know that existed to all of a sudden, like eyes wide open to this entire world where I was like, this is like art in front of me. Is yeah, it was really cool. So um, I then did like a month's work experience with them and it wasn't like your traditional work experience where you're just running around. Um, I was literally in the suite with Tom and his clients, like hands-on working alongside him. And then sometimes, um, cause I, they did a lot of like film 
stuff at the time. I think we were working on a BBC series called South Riding and it was shot on film and, and I then got to use like Mystica and I was doing like loads of dust removal and dirt stuff. Um, and I was like this 18 year old, like fresh out of college, like this is so cool. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was, that was a pretty amazing work experience that I don't think many people would really have the chance so to say that they got to. So what year was that, Rebecca? When was that? That was... We're going to give you away your age here now, aren't we? No, I'm, I'm 30, so... Yeah, that was... Just a, just a baby in the 12 industry. 12 years ago. Wow, good. And then, did, so you did your month? Yes, and then um, Dan, Dan Marbrook, who's the producer there, um, he had some contacts and helped me get a better CV and from there I got a job as a runner at the Muse and then I was sort of a career runner for a long time. Uh, I think because I was so focused on then becoming a colourist and obviously it's a very niche job. Um, yeah, it was, it was hard. So I went from the Muse and then I kind of didn't know, the Muse, obviously the Muse went under, um, so it's made redundant and stuff. So and I didn't have enough experience to go, you can take me on as an assistant colourist or even into MCR. So I had to go elsewhere as a runner. So I literally thought I was going to be a career runner <laughs> as I'm doomed. <laughs> I was like, so yeah, I was a runner for like two and a half years in total. When I was at Air post-production. Um, the colourist there was Adrian Brindle, and that's the first time I used Resolve. Really? Yeah, and he just he taught me everything I knew, along with um, a guy called Chris, who was in MCR, and no one else in the company was interested in grading, so I sort of had this advantage really? of having all of Adrian's time, because I was just, like, would pester him all the time. <laughs> um, so yeah, like, he was, he was very generous with, you know, and patient, because on my lunch breaks, I'd sit in with him, on, and um, they were amazing at letting me use their equipment after hours. So I'd quite often get the last train home. Um, so I was getting like little jobs on Mandy.com and Film and TV Pro. I don't know how people do it these days, but I mean, like 10 years ago, that was that's how I did it. Um, so I was doing this work for free, and then if I ever struggled, you know, like matching shots or, you know, getting the look right that a client wanted I'd you know speak to Adrian the next day and he'd like talk me through it or like give me tips or things to look out for and stuff like that so yeah I was really grateful for like all that experience. Uh, yeah, yeah. Another good point you could never be afraid to ask no. and I've you know I find sometimes that people get to a certain level and they feel like you they feel like they can't ask oh, maybe they've I got still a job. Ask. Of course. I mean, no one, but it's always good to just bounce ideas around with someone or ask someone, if it's a technical thing, ask someone, nothing wrong. People I find, colour people are really good at sharing stuff mm. and they're always helpful to, you know, yeah. come round or show you this or send you this. There always seems to be a little bit of a special bond between colourists where they're willing to help. There's no real protection about it. Just willing anything. to reach out to people like, oh, someone's come to talk to me in my dark room. <laughs> it's not too sunny for you out here, is it? You don't want to 
Don't go inside or anything. You're not getting toasted by the, the sun. I mean, this is beautiful. I know, I know every time I post a photo on social media, I go, what's sunny in the UK? What's going on? What, what's wrong? <laughs> this is Did like, you, have this you is picked, like perfect have you picked the only sunny day? <laughs> no, but I tell you what, no, can you get us a photo, please? Yep. There you go. This way? Yeah, that's fine. Should I take a few? Yeah, take a few. Lovely. Can you get one around the other side as well with a bit of the border in the background? So we're, we're, we're live on the air here. Oh. <laughs> You're going to be in it. Um, so what was the next stage? Well, so at the same time that I was working with Adrian at air as a runner, I had also... So, so I'm going to go backwards quickly. Yeah. When I was at the Muse, I worked with Alex Gascoigne. And he had sort of... I can't remember what he said to me exactly, but he had sort of told me to, or inspired me, to reach out to those who I really admire, grading-wise. And Harry, the, the Harry Potter franchise is yes. kind of the reason why I fell into the industry. Yes. And I was like, well, you know, why not get in touch with the colorist who graded them? Yes. So I did. Mr. Doyle. Mr. Doyle, Mr. Peter Doyle, and I did, and um, he got back to me, and I learned a lot from Peter, and um, I was, I think, like once a fortnight, every Friday, I would go to Highmore Studios and shadow him because he was currently he was doing the dailies for Edge of Tomorrow yeah. at the time, um, so that was interesting but exhausting because I'd already done like. An entire day's work and then basically doing like an entire day on top of that but in a warm dark room <laughs> so i was like stay awake um yeah and then had to commute all the way back from Artsbridge to here which was like three hours so that was pretty epic but how did you do how did you reach out to him because you know uh, via linkedin really yeah link honestly linkedin has got me so far in this industry just through like connecting with people and you just said look i really admire your work love all the movies yeah. have you got any advice of becoming a feature film colorist with peter did that go anywhere with a, a job more into movies is that what you were really trying for at that time uh, yeah like at the time that was my ambition so i really wanted to be like a feature film colorist i was just like what's cooler than seeing your name back on, up on the big screen and you know i just thought it would it was more glamorous um, but it's not. <laughs> there was, there was I, was, I was trying to think of the right thing to say, but there was a there was a long pause <laughs> yeah. there while you you thought about it. Yeah, I just I, I don't have anything else to say. I mean, it it is amazing when you see you know something come together, but um, yeah, I think it's uh, you just got to be really patient. I find myself, um, I'm like such a perfectionist and when I work on something that is very long, I find it hard to um, stop tweaking and be like, no, it's good, it's fine. But I'll just forever tweak and someone needs to just literally pull it away from me. That's literally what's happened on a few films now because I'll just keep going. Yeah. Um, but, so I don't know. I don't know whether that would happen with the big things because I know, I know that some of the films I've worked on are like slightly, obviously lower budget than what Technicolor had. So um, 
you know they probably needed a bit more work because you know we were we were in the their, their grade two at Pinewood and everything I saw I was like this is just I was like you don't need to touch it it's like it's beautiful every single shot is stunning I was like what do you need to colour it for <laughs> um, I, I can't remember who the DOP was now but um, yeah I, I think that's what's what sort of draw me to working on that kind of material because I'd be like it'd just be really cool just to work on something that was just so beautiful and every every single camera movement had an in like purpose and you know it was there for a reason opposed to just being like yeah that'll do yeah um it's it's good to see two sides of it, isn't it? Because yeah, if you if you've worked on like indie movies and things like I have, where you see both sides and mm-hmm. you know how much work you have to put in just to balance the thing before yeah. you even talk about how we're going to help sell the story in this movie. Walter Volpato, when I was on, he was saying the same. He goes, "Well, you know, I don't do that much. You know, it looks beautiful. You get these big budget movies, and you know, I do a few things." And he really played it down. I do a few things, I try and do his accent badly. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. After uh, working with Mr. Doyle or him, you shadowing him for a while, yes. where did you go then? Um, I became an assistant colorist for Dardo at my therapy. I know him well. Yes. Before you say anything good or bad about him. <laughs> I knew you knew him well because that's when we first met. I'm not sure if you'd remember that. Oh. It was obviously a long time ago. I was only about 20. It was at least probably it was a decade ago. So. Did I meet you then? Yeah. Was that was in, in the Charlotte, Charlotte Street? Street? Yes. yes. That's right. Yeah. So it was a very long time ago. Um, but again, I gained a lot of experience working there. Um, Dardo would come in, like set looks, and then leave me to do all the grading basically. So I got a lot of experience working with clients and on like these big features and high-end like higher material so you know really grateful for it did a lot of really, lot sort age. of fashion sort of beauty type yeah. stuff in commercials as well didn't it yeah so I ended up um grading like like commercials for Primark and stuff like that and, and then it'd be quite cool because then I'd be walking down Oxford Street on the way to work I'd be like oh I did that yeah that's like in Primark's window now that's really yeah. good <laughs> yeah so yeah, that's quite nice. So was I nice? Was I or was I? Did I give you any time, or did I just breeze in and breeze out? Um, from memory, you were really, really horrible. Was I? Yeah, yeah. I was back in those days. I've yeah. changed a little bit. <laughs> I tried to. <laughs> I tried to. <laughs> no, in all, in all honesty, I don't actually remember. <laughs> no, no, that's good. Good. Good call. Good call. Yeah. Um, but I wasn't. I wasn't there for that long. In all honesty. Um, and then I became a, a dailies colourist at Technicolor. So in Soho or out of the studios? Well, I was technically based, like on my contract, I was based at Lexington Street. Yeah. Um, however, I was always out of different studios because you go where the work is. Um, so yeah, I was at Pinewood. Went to Ealing. I spent ages at Ealing. That was. Movies. Yeah, we worked on. That was um, actually that was only. That was like my first job there. Um, I graded Bastille Day, although I don't know if it's called that anymore. I think they might have changed the name. It might be called The Take or something. It had like Idris Elba in it or something. But that was quite, that was like a really nice introduction because you were right on set. Like, you know, 
you know, where you were working was like next door to all the actors. I could literally just poke my head out the door and I'd be like, oh, there's, this, the, there's the camera, like they're filming right outside. At one point they were like, don't, don't turn the lights on, don't use the bathroom or anything because we're filming right outside like your window on the other side and it's supposed to be like night time. And then we're like, oh, okay, so if we needed a toilet, we'd have to like go in the dark. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, it was just like loads of fun memories, but um, the hours are crazy daily. So, I mean, hats off to people who do it. It's... It is yeah. cra crazy, yes. that's yes. the only word I can say. Yeah, I, I, one of the reasons is, no matter how much they try and nail down how much they're going to shoot, never quite works out, does it? Or they stick another two cameras in, or yeah, they've then got this, got and the schedule gets, stories, schedule gets turned on its head. <laughs> now you can share what you like, we're everyone's friends here. <laughs> well, there's, um, we worked on Brothers Grimsby, yeah. um, and they, they didn't turn off... The, they didn't stop recording in between takes and we still had to process all of that material and then they were like why haven't we got why have we run out of mags like why don't we have any mags left it's like because you're not cutting like you need to stop person so and then we were getting in trouble because we weren't processing the material quick enough and it's like well this isn't fair like no no learn that, how to shoot that is, that is unfair there was a stage of that early digital i think or more so when they thought they could leave things running and clappers, you know, got in the way of the acting and the director trying to tell the actors what to do. Do you know what was really great though? It's like you had all the gossip like in between takes. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, ooh, all right. <laughs> like all the actors just gossiping. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was quite funny because you just you still got to sync that, so. Yeah. But. Um, you were sound syncing as well then? Yeah, so we'd, we'd literally do everything. Oh, in a way that's easier, isn't it? I suppose you only have to sync it once. Yeah. yeah. All right, cool. So, so far you've done commercials, you've gone and helped Peter Doyle, you've been a runner, you've done long form, bit of fashion. Mm -hmm. It's very broad. Yeah. Obviously the old corporate. Yeah. You know, they like pay the bills. And was, were you doing that along, were you sort of doing your own thing when you were doing the dailies or did no. they say well, you're, that was a full time gig and you just did that? It was so many hours, I, I literally slept, went to work, slept, went to really? work. It made, so I have epilepsy um, and I actually ended up leaving Technicolor, but I was gutted because I was like, I've got my dream job, mm. like, I'm going to go, like, I'm going to work really hard from here and just see where it takes me because I still wanted to do like, feature films at the yeah. time. Um, but my epilepsy is triggered through like lack of sleep and stress yeah. and the working dailies um, just didn't agree with my body. My no. body clock was just upside down yes. and um, I was, I hadn't, yeah, I was having seizures all over the place, literally like three times a week or something, which was, I, I've never, I've never experienced that before. Um, so I had to leave really and that's why, that's why I went freelance. Um, it was one of the best decisions I, I obviously did because I really love being freelance. Mm. Um, but yeah, I obviously didn't go. I didn't go freelance originally out of choice. But you, you obviously had made enough contacts and knew enough people to be able to do that. Like if no, you don't, is key. Like I, I, I I'm, I'm, a, I'm so extroverted though. Like I will be at the pub whenever I can. Yeah. So. Well, yeah. Uh, that's hard for people who can't do that. As I always say, you know, you'd be the best colorist making the best ever pictures, but if no one knows where you are, 
Well, no one knows what you've done. I think half of your skill set as a colorist is to be able to entertain a client. Yeah. So, I mean, you can be super talented, but if you don't have people skills, I'm not sure no. they're going to come back. But especially now, when there is more, more probably more freelancers now than there are staff people. Maybe not in London, but certainly in Australia, there's very few staff people. Really? It's all freelancers. They're little. By the even the bigger post houses don't have anyone on staff. There's probably three or four people, and that's it. And it's completely flipped round. Uh, they pull out a book of freelancers and go, this, these are the people we've got, you, the X is so-and-so and X is so-and-so, why is that? And they take the pick. Hmm. Uh, whereas here it's probably more established still for short form or long form with the established graders, certainly a few of the ones that I know of. I think if you're, I think in London especially, I mean this is how I view it, I don't know everyone else's opinion, but in my opinion if you're a colourist, as a staff member in a post house, you are pretty well established and grounded. Like you've got, you're in there. So, um, because you, that's where all the job goes. Yeah. I, I literally think I've lost so many jobs to companies just because they're a company. I'm cheaper and I can do the job, but they're like, oh yeah, but they they've just got this you know, they're this name or whatever. And I once quoted for a, for a feature actually, and, I, and they said to me, they were like, why are you so cheap? And I was like, well, first of all, you're not paying for producers, you're not paying for runners, you're not paying for MCR, you're not paying for like all of these departments. Yeah. And, their, and their overhead at Lexington Street, which is huge. Yes. Um, it's just me in my studio. Yeah. And I do everything. Yeah. Um, because so I'm going to be a lot cheaper, and they just didn't trust. They couldn't post. They couldn't like they're, accept that I was like ten worried. grand cheaper. They're they were worried. Like, yeah. Like, what, yeah. What sort of cowboy? I would be what sort of cowboy operation is this going? <laughs> yeah. Like, like. And being younger, being female, did you experience any any roadblocks? Do you getting on in the industry at all? Um. Yeah, I, like sometimes it has its like pros and cons. Um, obviously, it's a very male-dominated industry. Um, I'd say like now, like being freelance, being a freelance colorist now, um, as a female, it has its advantage because you get a lot of projects that come through, and they specifically need a female colorist because it's like a sensitive project or it's funded because they want more females in the industry yes and so they want like a female heavy crew or something and I can obviously provide that um, so that that that's where like the, the bonus comes in um, but I've had to turn away clients before because they have just said inappropriate things that make you feel very uncomfortable and I'm like pretty sure you wouldn't have said that to no Man. No. Yeah. Um, so yeah. get out of my dark grading. Space. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry to hear that, but hopefully that is that is changing, and it's uh, yeah. it's, it's we're starting to see that. So that that can only be a good thing. Absolutely. So you, you mentioned your studio, your yes. shop, mm -hmm. your place of work, which was actually. It's actually like a little post house that looked like a shop front. I've seen photos of it. it, did, yeah? it, it yeah. It, 
I did have a little shop front. Yeah. Um, so what was your thinking there? So obviously when, when you were freelancing, most of your work would have been in London, correct? It was, yeah. Um, I found it was very restricting because um, it was having to, clients were obviously having to pay for like my rate and then to dry hire on top of that. So yeah. things were becoming very expensive for clients and yeah. it was costing me some jobs because they couldn't afford it or I was having to then sacrifice my rate so they could afford to dry hire. So um, the, getting that studio was a complete fluke, if you like. It was just one of those things that just happened in life and it was like, just felt like it was meant to be. So I was actually going to New York to work. Right. I'd been offered a job. Um, at a studio and I was going over there to fly, to fly and to see if I liked it and literally a week before I was walking the dog over the bridge um, which crosses from like the beach over to where the studio was Yes. and then in the window I just saw this like to rent sign and I was like huh that's pretty cool that's a cool space I was like I'll just, I'll just inquire like just I'll just ring the number no harm, like doesn't co doesn't cost anything to ring the number and just see. And oh my god, it was so cheap. It was like because this guy hadn't gone through like an estate agent. He was just like, yeah, I just want like X amount for it. And I was like, dude, that's like a day's work. So okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it was this perfect little studio. I mean, it wasn't perfect, and he did a lot of work doing to it. So we did. Um, my partner and I at the time did do a lot of work to it. Um, and it had two rooms, and these little little sections where one I use for like a little kitchenette and obviously a toilet. Um, but um, I loved it so much. Well, like I'll put some photos. I'll put space. some photos in the notes. But it literally was like in a row of shots, in a parade of shots, wasn't it? Was it on a corner? Um, it had a... Um, actually, either side were houses. Right, and okay. And then there's a pub right. the, at the other end of the yeah, house. Yeah, I, I remember seeing so, the pictures. Yeah, it used to be two, two little shops like way back in the day, like yeah. like a hundred years ago maybe, because um, it's a very very old building. Um, so I have like there were two doors, um, but so I one of them. Um, but yeah, it was the it was the perfect space apart from it being south facing and it was boiling hot in the summer and freezing cold in the winter. That's all I can say. So. Um, but yeah, it was great because like, I had the dog at the time, so I'd just like, walk down to work and she'd spend all day in the studio and all the clients loved her. And so I only signed like a really short lease to start with because I was yeah. like, you know what, this is like a test. Yes. Like, I, you know, I'm not sure if clients are going to want to come outside of London. And as soon as I set it all up and I posted pictures and loads of people contacting me and coming out from London, and quite often, I mean, especially on a day like today, yeah. They'd sit in the studio, they'd set the look and then be like, I'll be back at the end of the day. Because yeah. they just want to like, they're yeah. like, oh, it's like being on holiday. <laughs> and I, I wouldn't see them for the whole day, uh, like, which is great if they're having a nice time. But yeah, yeah and I was just fully booked with clients and that was really shocking. It was lovely. Movies, uh, short form or again a mixture? Everything. Everything. Everything, yeah. Um, I had, uh, you know, I had a client fly over from Italy, 
I had a client come over from New York to grade with me. Brilliant. Like, it was so cool. And um, obviously, COVID wasn't so cool. Um, <laughs> that hit, did some damage um, and wasn't sustainable as such. But, you know, before that, everything was... What was it called? Um, so, I still traded under just my name. Right. Um, but my, I technically was called Author Color. Yeah. And, um, but I've rebranded now to Saki Productions. Okay. So, yeah. So, so what happened? Did COVID mean you couldn't get the work in or you couldn't keep the well, paint? Well, everything the went really quiet during COVID. Um, I wasn't, it was like, I had work, but just not as much. But then what was really nice was as soon as I wasn't letting people like attend for a while until like it was safe to do so. Mm. Um, but I had a lot of clients who were literally putting off their grades until they come and attend in person. So I was like, that is really nice that, you know, they love it that much that they want to wait yeah. and come in person. Um, but so basically the guy who owns the studio, he had two other businesses, one of which was in wedding dresses right. and the other one was in like beauty laser treatments. So both of which yeah. were shut down yeah. for the entire COVID period. So I think he was just relying on your rent, my rent, and um, <laughs> which wasn't a lot. So got more, suddenly your rent got more serious. So then too. all of a sudden um, he, he was selling it and I was like, okay. And then he wasn't, and then he was, and then he wasn't, and then, um, and then he was going to convert it into a like studio flat. And what was he doing next? Then he was, I can't remember what he was doing next. But anyway, then he was like, "No, just leave it. It's fine." And then he contacted me. I was like, "Okay, I've decided what I'm going to do." I'm like, "Okay." Let's get this over and done with because <laughs> it's been like a roller coaster of a year. Um, he decided that he had just rocketed up the rent, and I was like, I can't. You know what? Like, as a as a business, it doesn't financially make sense for me to stay here. Yeah. Because work work hadn't picked up enough yeah. after COVID yet, and I wouldn't cover it. Yeah. So. As I miss it so much now, though. Yes, yeah, shame. Yeah, I walk, I walk past it all the time because obviously someone else is in there now, and I'm like, "Where's Julia?" <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, it was good times. But I think everything happens for a reason. Yes. And yes. Um, yeah, we'll see what's we'll see what's so, next. So, so what is next, Rebecca? Well, um, I'm off to India. This is breaking news. Breaking, breaking news. news. I don't know if it is that breaking. Oh. But, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to India to work for a bit. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Um, that'll be an experience. It will be. Yeah. You will You will have a good experience and you'll do lots of work. So you'll get lots of good credits and stuff under your belt. Mm -hmm. I've been there quite a few times. It's very, very interesting. Yeah. I think it's quite cool because, like, personally, it's somewhere that I'd never even... Like it wouldn't cross my mind to go to like India if that makes sense. Like, so the fact I get to go and it's like paid for, that's yes. pretty exciting. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm really excited. Although it is monsoon season at the moment. And it's Mumbai. <laughs> Mumbai. Mumbai, yeah. Yeah, no, they, they, there's, a, there's a lot going on and there always has been. So it will be busy. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned that you've rebranded your company and what was the name again, the new company? Saki. Right, okay. And, and why is that and what's that um, aimed at? Is that aimed at like just getting more, was it aimed at getting more remote work? Or? I basically was wanted to future-proof myself. Um, so as a freelancer and, and being a woman, you know, you don't really get like maternity pay and all of that kind of stuff. So I was like, okay, when I do settle down and you know, like having mm. a family is, is quite high up in my priority list. So yeah. um, I'd need a way to still earn money whilst not really working as much. So um, I sort of set up this company and we have super talented people under Saku. And it's a very like collaborative process. So everyone else um, who is on on the site are also freelance. Okay. And it's just a way. So we sort of it's sort of advertised as a post production company. However, you know everyone works remotely, and um, but if you want everything done in one place we can sort of make it happen because we have the con we have the contacts and you don't have to think about where to go and you know you can just say you can just say to me my budget is x amount and we'll sort it for you so i'm sort of acting as a bit of a i'm sort of doing a bit of producing as, as well if you like um so yeah i don't know i'm, I'm just just it was a plan to sort of just thinking ahead the sun is uh, is dropping down, but because it's UK, uh, beginning of July, it doesn't get dark till about ten o'clock. So and it's still really warm. Still well, warm. We're only about five pm <laughs> here, so the sun's going a bit, but the wind's getting up. So you may you may hear that a little bit in the background. So let's get back to Saku. You've got all different disciplines. So you yes. got some audio, you got some finishing, editorial, the full, yes, the full the solution. Full so. Um, yeah, I have some really talented editors. I've tried, um, again, I've tried to support females in the industry as well. Like, I have some really talented um, friends who are women in the industry. Um, but I've, I've gone through and sort of selected people who have, like, different skill sets and crafts. So, you know, I've got someone who's really good at, like, online and someone who's really good at, like, commercials editing, someone who loves to do, like, drama editing. And, um, and then sound designers, I've got composers, um, the, whoever mentioned, oh, visual effects. Um, and, and just covering basically like all software imaginable and obviously other colorists. So Jim's, Jim's on there, isn't he? Jim Wicks? Yes. Yeah, I Jim, Jim. Um, Chris Shaw. Now I have a blank mind. <laughs> <laughs> that's really bad I'm sorry guys <laughs> uh, that's alright that's alright we'll give them all a shout out go to the website go you can website. see it's there it's a good plug for the website uh, <laughs> but yeah um, it's good fun though cool it's, it's been, do you know what's been really nice about it though is because I find freelancing very lonely so especially since leaving the studio because I don't I have a strict rule of no clients in my house mm. so 
is very lonely just yeah you know working on your own yeah. and yeah. living on your own yeah so oh totally so yeah. now i've got like this sort of sort of creative family and you can just reach out and you know if i have any sometimes i have online in advice or need online in help and the guys just help me out with it yeah Sorry, um, e Evil Knievel just drove past. <laughs> now he's now he's parking it, so there's going to be more noise. Um, uh, but yeah, no, that's a really nice element of it. It's and just and can you keep obviously keep that running when you're in India, but obviously be less active yourself. But obviously they're all doing their own thing as well. To be honest, so. everyone is so busy. Okay. Like the, the the other guys are working on crazy, crazy, amazing stuff, and I'm totally envious. I, I mean, um, am I? my the vfx artist lee he's just finished on the like game of thrones sequel editor chloe she's just put like secured lord of the rings and stuff like that so they're doing incredible projects mm. um it's got to the point where some, when someone tries to book someone i'm like sorry everyone's busy <laughs> i think colorists are i don't know i, I feel like we have more availability i think because we can yeah. do a project in a day and it's done yeah whereas the, the you know editing and visual effects takes much longer how much finishing do you do because i've noticed that a lot of places around people are getting billed as finishers certainly for shows uh tv shows reality shows which all gets graded which never did get graded so there's more work but you have to be at the ability to do all the finishing the fix-ups the rollers add the sound deliver the show i don't do any of it no no i don't either but uh, i see it's really it. interesting so i had a meeting today and that was one of the they were like can you do all this and i was like I'm just a colorist. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I was like, I can do your basic online. You yes. know, like I, yeah. I do the online for normal stuff, but anything yeah. that is totally over the top, um, yeah. I think it needs to go to someone who specializes in that. Yeah. Um, I think there's so much to learn with grading alone that. Yeah. It's just it, a lot. Yeah. It comes back down to budget, doesn't it? And going to separate people. Some of these shows have obviously got less budget and if they got one person can sit there and go yeah i can do all of that producers probably gonna go yeah i mean that's amazing if you can it's hard to be good at all those things yeah but if a producer's probably willing to accept something and sometimes they don't know you know they go oh yeah they haven't got a lot of choice if they haven't got the budget but i do see that is a big change uh, finisher is a word that we see a lot more and so i might have to you know i might have to sit down and brush up on my credit roller skills when I get back to Australia. And you might have to do the same. Yeah, exactly. In your I still feel like there's so much I need to learn just ah, grading-wise. Always, and, and that, that, know, that's why changes so fast. That's why it's so hard as well when you're working on your own. So mm -hmm. you've got, so you compare, you compare the post house with maybe three colorists, clients coming and going, busy online people, to working on your own with no clients and you're just getting the drives. So I feel for people that are starting out like that, it's really, really difficult. Yeah, so I quite often get people asking me for advice um, who, you know, just come out of the university and go straight into colour grading. And in a way, like, okay, fair, if, that, if that's what you want to do, but I don't know, there's something about the, the way, sort of like, I, I really love the way I worked my way up because I did get to meet those people and I did get to learn so much because everyone has their own way of approaching something and dealing with footage in a different way. Yeah that you, I don't 
know, I'm not necessarily picking up bad habits and um, you're, yeah, I'm learning stuff that I would never notice, like never would have thought of myself. All right, well, um, I admire you because you've done a lot of things and you've never sat still and you've gone out and networked and gone and seen people and knocked on the doors. Everything's achievable. And that, I'm afraid, is where the batteries ran out in my recording device. Huge thanks to Rebecca for coming on the Couple 2 podcast. It was good to get back to Leon C, not been there in a long, long time. If you want any more information on training, go to iColorist.com. If you want to know more about the Colorist Society and what you need and how you can join, ColoristSociety.com. Thanks for tuning in, and I'm going to catch you on the next one. Thank you.